Hello and welcome to Mindful of Everything with me, Agrita, a podcast giving an insight to the mind of deep thinkers, where in each episode I'll be discussing various thoughts and questions deep thinkers often find themselves mindful of, from topics such as climate change to self-development and everything else in between. So, let the journey of mind unravelling begin now. We all know about the Jungian personality types. You're either introvert or you're extrovert. Extroverts gain energy from social situations, are usually assertive, are really, really social. Whilst introverts, they tend to gain energy in quiet environments and are usually unassertive, like more me time. This was first proposed by Carl Jung in the beginning of the 20th century. And from then on, we just class ourselves as either one of them. What if I told you it's not as simple as being introvert or extrovert? First of all, I would really like to point out a website that I really, really love to go to. It is 16personalities.com. I'll post the link for the test on my website, mindfuloveverything.home.blog. I'd just like to spend a moment explaining why exactly I really, really like this website. So my sister actually told me about this. And when I'd done the test, I felt sort of spooked out at how accurate they were with it. I got the personality type protagonist. And the bullet points that they gave me really made me think more about exactly who I am. And made me sort of delve deeper in understanding my personality. So I decided to buy the PDF for around about £24 and I haven't finished reading it. There is a lot of chapters, a lot of insight, but from what I've read so far, it is really, really on point. There will be things that you think, "Mm, I don't think this is really me. But overall, the overall picture, the overall personality that they've given you based on the options that you chose in the test really bang on. Coming back to the topic of today, 16personalities.com actually showed the distributions of extroverts and introverts around the globe. I found this in the PDF that I bought. I am presuming that these stats will also be in every single other personality PDF. I'm assuming that. It was found that the most extroverted country is Oman, with 61.66% of the population classing themselves as extroverts. And the most introverted country is Japan, with 59.88% of the population considering themselves as introverted. I think that's really, really interesting to see how introverts and extroverts are distributed. Of course, this really depends on who actually considers themselves as introvert and extrovert. But to see the overall distribution of introverts and extroverts across the world, I think it's really interesting. There are, of course, many factors that cause a particular area to be more introverted and extroverted, such as society structure, cultures. I'm pretty sure you can think of many more. So I think it's really cool to see how the world is kind of divided between these two Jungian personality types. But like I said in the beginning, what if you think you're neither 
introverted or extroverted like myself, then you wouldn't have been part of the statistics I mentioned because you don't class yourself as either one. If you are one of those people, you are most likely to be what is known as an ambivert. So let me give you the dictionary definition of ambivert. If you just type it in Google, this is what Google gives you. A personality who has a balance of extrovert and introvert features in their personality. What does that mean? Let me try to break it down for you. The biggest mistakes we as people make is seeing personalities as categorical. We think we're either introverted or extroverted. Two categories. Actually, personalities are more of a spectrum, a continuum if you like, where we are either more in the introverted zone or more in the extroverted zone. There's no categories. People, humans, we are too complex to be categorical. We are either really excited in one point and really dull and of low energy in another point. So to say personalities are categorical, that is a big mistake. This is where ambivertism, ambiverts, come into it. Ambiverts are usually seen as the supposed middle point of the spectrum. Of course, it's a spectrum, so you don't have a fixed point. But if you were to say that there is a middle point, ambiverts would be that middle point. But since we're really complex... We sort of have our own little spectrum going on in our own personalities. So like I mentioned before, we have our ups and downs. For ambiverts, I can say this because I consider myself an ambivert, we have more of a fluctuation, I think, because we have this sort of blend going on, right? We have extroverted and introverted traits all blended together in us. So sometimes it can feel a bit difficult to sort of understand when it's necessary to bring the introvert out in us and when it's necessary to bring the extrovert out in us. Of course the sorts of variations that ambiverts experience it will vary depending on your environment, just how you are as a person. No one is the same right? No one is the same, we all know that. We are all really really unique so variations in ambiverts it will change, it will fluctuate. But I like to give a sort of uh, scenario that relates to me, could relate to you, and it's something like this. Ambiverts may feel left out in places of social gatherings such as nightclubs and parties, but they may feel very energetic in induction events, for example, for a school or work, where they want to get to know as many people as they can. This sort of scenario really, really resonates with me. I I feel sort of alienated when I'm in really packed gatherings where there's so many people, so many ideas flinging around. I sometimes get really lost. But in terms of induction events, everyone is nervous. Everyone most likely doesn't know another person. So in that sort of atmosphere, I feel sort of energized because I feel like everyone is at my level knowing another person my level experience and you could be an ambivert or a person that doesn't really fit in the you know the two personalities introverts and extroverts and you're trying to understand who you actually are and you might think you're ambivert you may be 
might feel out of place in sort of induction events like I mentioned and you could feel in place in social gatherings because you're gaining more energy it really really depends on how you are as a person like I said everyone is different but I think that's a really good scenario to give to someone who wants to know a little bit more about what ambiverts are really like or what ambivert really means so like I said before because ambiverts have this blend going on they can feel quite lost a lot of the time where they might feel like I really want to be around lots of people to have some fun but then suddenly want some alone time this is basically me at one point I started to understand myself a bit more I started to think more deeply about how I was reacting in certain situations and I realized this I realized that I'll be around some people and it will all be going good and then suddenly something happens and I'm like I, I just I just want to go away I really want to go away and it really did get to me at one point I started like self-diagnosing myself with conditions and stuff which is a big no-no if you do feel something is getting worse you should really talk to the people that you're close to and if then you're still having doubts or you're getting confused people are giving too many of their opinions to you you should try to seek expert help. But for me, I started thinking I'm having some sort of mental breakdown. I was really confused. Why am I fluctuating so much? Then I still didn't understand it. And I somehow brought myself out of it. I talked to people that are close to me. And I thought, maybe, maybe, you know, it's just me. It's just me. And when I decided to start this podcast and I thought about ambiverts I thought about doing this topic I started understanding that yeah yeah you know what I really think I am ambivert because there is so many times where I just get so confused I'll be feeling one way then I'll be feeling another way so yes it is really important to sit down try to understand yourself and then of course communicate with other people listen to what they're saying and try to think is is that making sense? Is it sounding like me? Because it is great to listen to other people, but it can really be damaging as well. Instead of just focusing on the disadvantages though, there are many advantages to being an ambivert. One of the biggest advantage is that ambiverts are able to change their approaches to people depending on the situation. Extroverts or introverts usually are that particular personality regardless of the situation but with ambiverts they analyze the situation and think all right is it introvert time or extrovert time I'm just trying to say this in the most basic way as I can but that is a really good plus point for ambiverts where you're analyzing the situation and thinking all right what do I do now and how do I approach this and because of that ambiverts tend to be able to connect to the wide range of people rather than stick to either introverts or extroverts. I've seen that a lot with myself as well. I of course prefer maybe ambiverts like myself but from what I've seen I usually prefer the more introverted people. The people that like to connect in small groups, like to make small connections and strong connections rather than have a massive group of people that you know. But 
I do love connecting with a wide range of people, even though over time I don't really find myself connecting as deeply as I would. For me, I think I like making acquaintances more than close friends. I like knowing people from different places because it can get really helpful to connect, have those links. But to make close friends, I nah, I don't, I don't, I don't really like doing that. Mainly because I am a deep thinker, like I said. You know, this is the reason why I made this podcast so I can sort of unravel the art of deep thinking. I am a deep thinker and I don't like having a mix of opinions around me. If I have too many close friends, by close friends I mean people that you know, you share your personal life with or your thoughts with that you may not want to express with a wider audience. So I don't really like having too many friends because it can get really, really overwhelming for me, especially because I over... I don't, know, I don't want to say overthink, even if it, yeah, okay, fine. I do overthink sometimes, but I like to deep think so I can overcome that. It's ridiculous. Like I said, humans are really complex. There is no set mindset that we have. I don't like having too many friends, too many opinions all circulating around. This is why most people will think I am an introvert, but I consider myself an ambivert. Because I like to connect with a wide range of people and also listen to what they're saying, respect them for what they're saying and also analyse the situation beforehand and react in a way that is most suitable for that situation. Because of that, there is another advantage. People usually think that extroverts would be the best leaders, right? Uh, When we see prime ministers, presidents just a leader in general. We see them as really extroverted. That's what we would assume. To be able to lead such a big group of people, you need to be having a really dominating, assertive personality, right? But it is actually suggested that ambiverts could outcompete their extroverted counterparts. How so? Because ambiverts have this personality where they can change their approach to people depending on the situation that can be a very very big advantage for a leader to change their tactic based on the situation they're in I think that was very reassuring I don't really consider myself as a leader right now but yeah if I ever want to you know lead something I'll remember that point and I hope you remember that point as well I have actually given quite a lot of information on ambiverts and might still be thinking I don't necessarily know how to identify if I am I am an ambivert or not. Forbes has actually given a really good checklist that has nine points so you can read it and try to see if these points relate to you or not. I'll put the link for that on my website mindfuloveverything.home.blog The first point in the checklist is, I can perform tasks alone or in a group. I don't have much preference either way. Of course, in a general basis, introverts, they would usually like to perform tasks on their own and extroverts would like to perform tasks in a group, usually. Ambiverts, like I said, sort of like the middle point. They don't really have much preference. 
depending on the situation, maybe depending on their mood, they will choose either or. Second point is, social settings don't make me uncomfortable, but I tire of being around people too much. This point really, really resonates with me. I can be in a group enjoying myself and then suddenly I'll be like, no, I'm I'm a bit tired now, I need to move away. That is a great indication you are an ambivert. Depending on your mood, depending on the way in which a situation is going, you can change your preference. Number three, being the centre of attention is fun for me, but I don't like it to last. Again, I really connect with this point. Everyone loves attention. We do seek approval from others, and that is a fact, even though it can be difficult to live a happy life by relying on people's approval, we do eventually rely on approval from others just to make us feel happier or more confident and I guess it's perfectly fine but there should be a limit to it. I do like being centre of attention but not all the time. Number four, some people think I am quiet while others think I am highly social. I'm not sure about the highly part but From what I've seen so far, many people probably think I'm an introvert, probably think I'm quite quiet, which is basically why I don't have as many friends as loud people do. But some people might think I am really confident in my own way. I don't really think that's a social quality. It could be. But for me, I think you can be confident and also be quiet at the same time. Number five. I don't always need to be moving, but too much downtime leaves me feeling bored. 100% right now. I am the only one in my house right now that have started their holidays, and I am bored all the time. I'm obviously doing this podcast to kind of get me doing stuff when I'm not doing anything, but yes, I don't have to necessarily be moving. But just being by myself for a very long period of time does get boring. And it also gets a bit tiring. Number six. I can get lost in my own thoughts just as easily as I can lose myself in a conversation. This is a bit of a tricky one. I agree with the first part. I definitely do get lost in my own thoughts. I have a lot going on in my head. And to keep in the same train of thought gets really difficult for me. The part about losing myself in a conversation, I think I can relate to if the people around me I feel like are emotionally draining. It's difficult to say. I could be in a group of people that I do like, but there could be some things that they say, some things that they do that don't connect to me. And in that way, I can lose myself in a conversation. I'm not sure if that. This part of the point is a negative thing or a positive thing because you can lose yourself in a conversation by being really, really connected with that person that you forget everything else around you or you can just be bored of the conversation and just completely zone out. So really, it is subjective. Number seven, small talk doesn't make me uncomfortable, but it does get boring. I am going to do a whole separate episode on small talk 
But I really think that the reason why society right now is so disconnected is because we really don't want to know much about each other. Or either we're scared to get ourselves muddled up in someone else's problems. I totally get that we can't control someone else's actions entirely. But to be able to listen to other people's problems as well as articulate what you're feeling and what problems you have, I think that's really important. We focus on the small talks rather than getting deep into it and asking, what are your dreams? Or what dreams did you used to have? Or what is your goal in life? I know there are many people that think it's cringy to be asking stuff like that. But if you really think about it, it really isn't. When someone wants to know deeper about you, it makes you feel more special. So a point of thought, try to focus on big talk rather than small talk. There will be an episode on this, so I don't want to go too deep into it. But definitely, big talk always is better than small talk. Number eight. When it comes to trusting other people, sometimes I'm sceptical and other times I dive right in. Again, this is really, really me. Trust, for me, is a massive thing. And I always do try to not to break someone else's trust because I don't want to have anyone breaking my trust, right? Karma. As much as I try to tell myself that you need to know someone inside out to be able to fully trust them, there are some times where you just are really emotional in that moment and you don't realise who's around you and you say things to someone that are really personal to you but you you don't necessarily trust that person. They basically know something about you they didn't really want to tell but you just did. Yeah, I have been in those situations a lot. I've always tried to not make myself get into those situations but we are people, we forget our past actions which is bad but most of the time I am skeptical about trust and giving trust to people that I'm not that close to and I've definitely improved on that. I think if you limit your trust there's a high chance you won't be as hurt as someone who's giving trust to everyone who trusts a lot of people. You don't know what goes on in the mind of another person. And number nine, the last one. If I spend too much time alone, I get bored. Yet too much time around people leaves me feeling drained. This really links to point number five. That said, I don't need to be moving all the time, but too much downtime leaves me feeling bored. Except that it expands on it by saying too much time around people leaves me feeling drained. This is a massive yes from me. Like I said in the scenario that I mentioned before, being in very packed, high-density social places makes me feel really drained. Again, I'm a deep thinker. I already have so much going around in my mind and to have more ideas bouncing around get really, really emotionally draining for me. Also, not just being around many people there are also some times where there's just one person that you're around and yet you still feel so tired so emotionally drained only because you're just not connecting you're forcing yourself to connect with that person but you really aren't it's not going anywhere 
And the quicker you realize this, the better it will be for your well-being. I have been in those situations so many times. I tell myself that I should break out of those situations as quick as I can, and yet I don't. But again, you need to learn how to be patient with yourselves. We make mistakes, we do things that we don't like, and then we learn from them. And you should be learning from them. So I think that checklist itself, it is a really, really good checklist, really powerful one that you can look at and see if you connect with any of these points. Again, like I said, personality is a spectrum. There is no fixed point to say, oh yes, you're an introvert. Oh yes, you're an ambivert. Oh yes, you are a extrovert. I'm pretty sure introverts and extroverts will relate to some of these points as well. But if you can say that, yeah, I do relate to most of these points, there is a high chance you're an ambivert. Now for the big thing. What if I told you that there actually is a scientific reasoning to introversion and extroversion? We're always having this argument of nature versus nurture, which one really determines who you are. Well, there's evidence that nature might just have a bigger role to play in your personality. BBC have a really good article, it's really informative, I'll put the link on my website, that explains just exactly what evidence I am talking about. Just to give some background to it, in the 1960s, a psychologist called Hans Eysenck, I think that's how you pronounce it, Hans Eysenck, made the proposal that levels of arousal in individual people impacts your personality. So when we talk about arousal, it refers to the extent to which we react to external stimulation. And of course, this can vary across the day, depending on, for example, how many cups of coffee you have, what sort of food you're having, how stressed you are, and also under different circumstances. Is it a rush hour? Are you having a lion? Is it a weekend? Is it a weekday? Etc. So I think pose the theory that extroverts actually have a lower arousal rate than introverts, which means that they seek more energetic environments to try to get to the same level as the rest of us, or introverts, or ambiverts, whatever you like. So this basically explains why they're more social, usually take more risks, want to be energetic most of the time. I think that's a really, really, really amazing theory that Isaac proposed. Then he related it to introverts. Introverts are usually stimulated really quickly, which means that they find themselves overstimulated, so usually prefer quieter, calmer environments or experiences. That was just a theory, but now we actually have evidence for it. We now know that this is all dependent on the levels of dopamine, the brain's feel-good hormone. It's all down to how our genes controlling dopamine actually shape our brain that results in how we react to external stimuli. Pretty amazing, right? So how your genes are producing the dopamine is how you are reacting to the outer world. Explains why you feel like you're an introvert, why you feel like you're an extrovert, or why you feel like you're ambivert. 
Ambiverts would probably have a balanced reaction to external stimuli, looking at the scientific explanation. So we would be neither strongly stimulated nor mildly, kind of being in the middle. I think science usually connects with everyone, whether you're religious, whether you're not, whether you're from this part of the world or that part of the world, whether you have this political view, that political view. I think science is a really strong universal language that doesn't look at any of these things. And so when you give scientific evidence, people get pretty convinced. I think with this, it's a really, really good way of trying to teach ourselves that there are certain things in us that we actually can't change. We can't change how our genes are producing dopamine. We can't change our dopamine levels, right? We can't change how we react to external stimuli because it's just part of our genetic makeup. We can't change that. If we try to understand that, I think we will start accepting ourselves much more than just saying that it's a nurture thing. I was just brought up in such a way or had certain experiences that made me less or more quiet than another person. I think this scientific evidence should really help us not only be patient with ourselves, but also more patient with others. The person that we just met or the person that we are really close to. Learn to respect them for who they are because sure, your environment, your experiences really do shape how you are. But there is evidence that the reason why this person is how they is is because of their genetic makeup, is because of how they are made. And no matter what you do, you can't change that. That is the take-home message, I think, for today's episode. Respect people how they are. You can obviously help improve them if there is something drastically detrimental about them. But respect people for who they are and remember there are certain things you cannot change about a person and that is fine. We need to accept our flaws, accept our positive points and learn how to live in a diverse world. Thank you for listening. I hope you've gained a little more insight to what it's like to be mindful of everything. If you haven't already, hit the subscribe button on your favourite podcast app to be up to date with episode releases and go over to my website mindfuloveverything.home.blog to get more information. This is Agrita with the Mindful of Everything podcast and I shall see you next time.